Okay, folks, ladies and gents, boys and girls, welcome back to the podcast. Uh, we are live. Well, not when you're listening to it. But we're live from the Albany Woods compound. Spacious Studio A. <laughs> also known as uh, Mike's spare bedroom. <laughs> <laughs> different day, different name. Just different day, go. different name. Yeah, so welcome back to the Blind Leading the Blind podcast. Uh, I'm Chris. And I'm Mike. And uh, today we're going to get into some stuff. Thank you for those who hung out for the three-part series on spiritual authority. It was not intended to be a three-part series, but that's what it turned into. When we have t-shirts, we'll send you a t-shirt. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, thanks for hanging out. I hope it blessed you. If it did, um, drop us an email. Let us know. Uh, what's the email? Uh, we're on Gmail at blindpod at gmail.com. That's B-L-I-N-D-P-O-D at gmail.com. Facebook? Uh, we're on Facebook at first name Blind leading, last name, The Blind. I am available for setting up your your Facebook page as well. It can be even more confusing if you choose. <laughs> we're yeah. on Instagram as well. <laughs> yes, we're on Instagram as well, uh, at BlindPod. Um, so yeah, send us a Facebook message, comment, uh, email. Let us know what you guys think, what's going on. I know we've had a couple of people talk about uh, that they were having trouble hearing the podcast. So... Uh, we've done a few things to try and remedy that. We'll see if it gets any better. Um, you guys keep the feedback coming. Let us know. Um, so before we get into the, the main topic today, uh, which we're going to be talking about, uh, there was a, a question. Does God make me a better person? Or or will, will being a Christian make me a better person? Right? Right. I guess, okay. So before we get into that... I told Mike I was going to throw some stuff at him because I thought it was funny right at the beginning of the podcast. It has nothing to do with what we're going to talk about, but I found it really funny because I'm old and I realized how old I am. Oh, really? Please do tell. So I'm surfing Instagram and I came across this guy and he, he had a video on Instagram and he was talking about uh, new toys that he had gotten, guns and things like that. And then he said something about <laughs> he had a murdered out fork. Coming. A murdered out fork. Murdered out fork. What in the world could that be? That's exactly what I said. <laughs> I was like, wait, what? Murdered out. What 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 does that mean? So I hopped online, the good old Googles, and UrbanDictionary.com. Murdered out is when a vehicle has both black paint. And black aftermarket wheels, really dark window tint, and really dark aftermarket accessories, such as black tail light covers, etc. And it should aid in blacking out the ride. So apparently, what used to just be called blacking out a vehicle, you know, the flat black paint, black wheels, black everything, black on black, mm -hmm. that's now being referred to as murdered out. Well, if you had a vehicle like that, what would you use it for? <laughs> right. Running away from the scene of a murder. So, yeah, right. I, I like murder okay. So, So I had to dig a little deeper because I was like, I want to know where this comes from. But wait, there's <laughs> but, but, more. But wait, there's more. Uh, so the guy was talking about a murdered out fork. And yes. I thought, so he blacked out a fork? You can just buy, buy a black plastic fork. A little, little flat Krylon and I think you'd be okay. <laughs> No, so apparently the fork is referring to the front fork on a bicycle. Uh. Specifically, there is a couple of companies out there that have come out with these new kinds of bicycles. And they are electric motorized bicycles that are used in like hunting and things like that. They're designed for like mountain trail riding to get into a place quickly and quietly. Okay. And apparently... Except for me going... <gasps> every time I go up a hill, yeah. Well, I but you it. don't have to because it's motorized. Ah. You can pedal yeah. if you choose. It's kind of like a moped, but electric. So okay. you can pedal if you want, but, but the electric motor kicks in. You're good to go. And apparently they're really quiet. 
and they're designed because most public hunting areas have those signs at the parking places that say no motor vehicles mm-hmm. beyond this point. Mm-hmm. So you can take that bicycle in there because it's not a motor vehicle. Interesting. Yeah. So apparently the fork would be a customized blacked out bicycle part or possibly the whole part or the whole bike. I'm yeah, not sure. the front fork. Of, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so a murdered out fork. Interesting. I, I, I'm picturing trolling for bunnies. <laughs> Literally. Uh, trolling the, for bunnies? Well, a little electric motor, you know, <laughs> through the woods. <laughs> yeah, pop. little rabbits popping out like fish popping out of the water once in a while. We just, I, I just, I don't understand. We need a bunny finder instead of a fish finder. Oh, there we go. <laughs> thermal, thermal imaging camera? That's the, yeah. <laughs> so, w- one more piece of this puzzle. <laughs> Please. It's not done yet. Please. Apparently, the term murdered out comes from... Detroit? A fly. (laughs) You almost made me choke. I'm ahead of myself. Sorry. Um, A flock of crows is called... A murder. So, all murdered out being black like a flock of crows. Well, now, isn't that interesting? And here we thought these young folk were just... Spouting off with new made-up terms for no reason. That, that there's some thought that went into that. Yeah, yeah. That reminds me. Do you know the difference between a raven and a crow? One talks and one doesn't. Well, <laughs> no, a raven. I think it's the raven that has seventeen <coughs> feathers in its wing. Those are seventeen feathers on each wing, and those are called pinion feathers. Yeah, yeah. And a crow only has sixteen. So, the difference between a raven and a crow is simply a matter of. Opinion. Yep, we're you, old. You can cut that out if you want to. Yep, we are old. No, that's staying in. That's staying in. My goodness. Okay, let's get on to our topic before people start turning it off if they haven't already. If you hung out through that, thank you. We're old, and I thought it was funny. <laughs> um, okay, so today, we, we, as, we, as we said, we're going to be talking about the question of... Uh, does being a Christian make you a better person, or or will God make you a better person? Right. Yes. Um. So I guess I have a few questions, right off the rip. Well, let's get to them. Okay. Who defines what good is? Okay. Who defines better? And my question would be, better than what? Or better than who? And there are, I mean, a better for what purpose? Right. So for me, I guess if we're, if, because what we do here is we talk about what the Bible says about things, right? Right. So we have to look at what the Bible says about being good and being better, right? Uh, let's back up one step. Okay. Because this idea of being better is prevalent in everyone's life. But it's particularly prevalent in many of the American churches. Yeah, it's really scary. If you Google it, if you Google, will God make me a better person? You get hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of search readings that come up, websites and books and things about like 10 steps to be a better person and how, how the Bible makes you a better person and how to be a better person according to the Bible, which is a really cool article that we'll get into in a minute. Yes. Um, but But there is this... Thing that has happened in the American church where we've taken God and turned it into a self-help section of the library. A self-help for me. Yes. A lot of the things that are out there online are ways to become a better Christian. You know, read your Bible. I won't disagree. Um, Pray. Fasting. All sorts of, but this comes into methods of how to make yourself a better person and how to measure that. Those, to me, are the places where it goes off the rails. Okay. So so I want to back up a little bit. And this isn't probably going to be the most popular thing that people want to hear, but um, let me go through my notes here. Yes, I have notes. We have notes. Um, there's a story in the Bible, an account of Jesus He's walking around, and there's a guy that comes up to him. He's a rich dude, a rich young ruler, right? I'm sure 
all of you church people that are listening have heard the story about, you know, the rich young ruler coming to Jesus, and he says, sell everything you own, come follow me, and the guy's like, nah, I'm good, turns around and walks away, right? And it's the whole, it's harder for a rich man to enter the kingdom than blah, 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 right? So, but that's not the part of the story I want to focus on. When they go and have their conversation, he says, good master, what do, what, what do I have to do to get into heaven? Jesus turns around and says, why do you call me good? There is no one good. No, not one. Right? Absolutely. So, except the Father. So, the Bible's definition of good... Oh, is extremely, extremely limited. Is God. Yes, that's it. We talked about this concept of all. In Romans 3, Paul talks about, for all have sinned, and fallen short of the glory of God. Yep. That doesn't mean that there are levels of, well, you've only sinned a little bit, so you're closer to the glory of God. Uh-huh. All have sinned, period, end of sentence. And <clears throat> we get into this process of thinking that if I'm a better person, I, I, then God will love me more, or I will have better goodies. There's a, I always like to use the analogy of a vending machine. If I get it right, if I put in the right number of coins and I push the right buttons, then I get the treat that I want. God doesn't work that way. Right. And, and there's this, this thing that goes along with that, right? Because everyone, all the pastors, and I'm, I'm just going to say pastors, I'm just, I'm just going to leave it at that, who have books out about how to have a better life, with God and about how to become a better person, right? And how yeah. to use God yeah. to get more stuff. Mm-hmm. They all have one thing in common. They will tell you from the pulpit that all people deep down inside are intrinsically good. Yes. They're good people. I've heard that as a matter of fact. Yes. And that's an absolute lie. Right? Your heart Jeremiah 17. Yes. Your heart is totally opposed to God. Yes. Incurably wicked and sick, it cannot be fixed. It cannot be saved. It cannot be rehabilitated. But I thought God created us. Why would what he created be totally opposed to him? Well, because of sin, right? All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, right? All means all. If you look up that word in that scripture in the Greek, it means all. It doesn't mean something different. Let me go here for one second. The origin of sin is what? Eve in the garden. Yeah. Okay? Yep. Adam and Eve in the garden. Yep. I won't leave Adam out. What was the goal of that sin? To be like God. In other words, to be better. Well, yeah. So I won't. So when people say to be like God, right? Because to be the goal of a Christian is to be more like Jesus, yes. right? So we want to be more like God. Yes. However, the difference in that one was that God was holding something out. They wanted something more than what they had. Yes. It, it, it was, I want the thing that I'm not allowed to have. Yes. I desire to be more than God says that I am. Yes. Okay, God has given me a vision <clears throat> for a ministry. Yep. Okay? Mm-hmm. It's not happening yet. (laughs) God's holding out on me. Okay. So if I want to get to where that ministry is that God has shown me, why don't I do all the things that will make me a better Christian so that I can get to that ministry faster? Yep. Yeah. That's uh, Well, well, no. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. No, but but, um, I, I think that that is... A very prevalent thing in the church today. Absolutely. Yeah, it's uh, people go to Bible school so that they can do what God told them to do, right? You, you go to Bible college. Remember, I went to Bible college yep. so that you get a piece of paper so the church will recognize your value as a leader. Yep. Whether you actually have any leadership skills or not, yep. whether that is what God has called you to, if you've got the paperwork, then they will immediately consider you. Yep. Some churches. So, so let me ask you another question. Where did the idea that God will make you a better person and fix all your problems... Oops. 
the thing went off. Where does that idea come from? Where did it show up? Well, we know it didn't show up in the early Catholic Church. Correct. Um, Martin Luther was so terrified of the idea of um, the Eucharist and communion and his unworthiness to celebrate uh, anything like that with God that he started a whole new church, a whole new Protestantism. Yep. So we know it didn't start there. I have a feeling it started in the American church. Absolutely it did. And uh, I can't remember what the guy's name was that really kind of kicked the whole thing off. But basically what it boils down to is moralistic preaching and teaching. Define moralistic for everybody. So moralistic teaching uh, is like, don't worry about sin. Don't worry about... uh, do I want to say responsibility? Yeah. Um, your responsibility to respond to your sin by going to Jesus, right? Um, self-betterment from the pulpit, mm-hmm. being good people, like mm-hmm. do X, Y, Z and you'll be better. Don't do X, Y, Z and you won't suck, right? Um, and when you get into messages that just say be good, right? Um <laughs> It puts a person in in, in a position to where it, it damns them, right? You've damned them either to their pride or to despair. And Satan only wants to do that. Yeah. Yep. Because really there's only two human responses that are possible, I think, to such a message. Right? Well, one is that I'm such a good person. Look at me. Yep. And the other is I absolutely suck as a human Please don't consider me. I just, I just, I just. Oh, I'm, I'm a horrible, horrible person. They're both pride on different fronts, correct? Which we can talk about another time. And the first one is is a goal that you're going after to check off a box to say right. I've got that done. Right. Yep. What's next? Yes. So that you can turn around and say, See, I have all my boxes checked, so I'm good. Right. I have become better. I have completed the course. Yes. So I now know. Yes. Give me my paper. Yes. <laughs> It's getting deep. <laughs> we, that, there's very little difference. Every human being wants to... There's an innate desire in every human being to want to be better. To improve. God made us that way. Mm-hmm. But better for what reason? Remember, we were created to create. We were created to have dominion over in, in the image of God. In the image of God. Once we lost that mm. as a result of our sin, we still have this desire to create and to improve. But we so frequently don't do it in the image of God or with the Spirit of God. And so that leads us down to me, 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 me. Which leads us into the law. Okay, there was a way to be better, mm-hmm. right? It's called the law, mm-hmm. right? And <clears throat> we know, well, you and I know, lots of people know that the law was given to show us that we can't do it. We cannot be better on our own, right? Right. So there's this. So. We're very quickly getting up to the the crux of this thing, and I was mm-hmm. trying to not get there too quickly, but I guess it's okay. We're going to go there. Um, There's so, plenty to do once we right. get there. <laughs> so there there is this huge misunderstanding that the law in our world today, right, doing the right things, checking off the right boxes, makes me okay. I'm good, right. When really the law was given to show you that you can't, your depravity and your need for a savior. So that, and and on a weekly basis, at least you had to go and make atonement for how horrible you were. That word atonement. Yes. Atonement, making yourself, becoming right again in the eyes of God through sacrifice. 
at at one mint yeah. is a way that people talk about it. Yep. Um, so that you could once again be at one with God. Right. I made a note about that. Go ahead, say your well, thing. Well, while we're on that brief topic, sacrifice. Yeah. Why sacrifice? Why did God say kill animals? Because it also says, God has also said, without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sins. Also in the Bible, the wages of sin is death. Yes. Something has to die yeah. to pay for the sin, right? So I made this note, and I'll read it. Jesus' work on the cross makes your badness, or your sin, and your goodness, or your merit, or your good works, or your deservingness, right? Jesus' work on the cross made that irrelevant. Why does it make it irrelevant? Because <laughs> it doesn't matter anymore. You don't have to stop and atone for sin because you are already at one with God through the blood of Jesus. He already took care of it. Seek ye first the kingdom of heaven and all these other things will be added unto you, right? Right. So he did it. He already took care of your crap. So, so in that, God's the one that gave me all my value. That's the only place you have value. Yes. That's the only thing about you that is valuable is you have the blood of Jesus all over you. We've, we've said in the past, and we'll probably say it a thousand times, if it weren't for God, if it weren't for Jesus, we would be dead. Absolutely. And because we are corrupt human beings. The point here is I can't take any value, either pride or shame or guilt, in who I am by myself because my only righteousness comes from God through Christ. My own, my value to me, to Chris, to you does not matter is irrelevant. I can't do anything that's good enough for God. There's no way Correct. that I can. I can only obey and he goes, "Nice job." Yep. And that's it. So so step 1 <laughs> understanding that that it is not within yourself to be good. Yeah. You do not have the power to be good or even better, right? right? The Bible's definition of good is God. You are not God. You cannot be God. Don't want to be. You, you Because in order to figure out if you're getting better, you have to have a standard by which you measure yourself to. Yes. Our standard is the Bible and God and Jesus' life, right? So we have to hold ourselves up to that and go oh wow no we don't we don't quite meet that mark right and there are churches all over this country that set the standard and religions that set the standard which you must measure up to there's weird stuff in my cup i didn't put it there um so step one realizing you're not good and that you need help being good right 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 so the bible does actually talk about getting better and becoming a better person uh, be transformed by the renewing of your mind, blah, blah, blah. I don't remember the rest of scripture. I'm not a scholar. Creating me a new spirit. There you go. There is copious amounts of scripture in the mm -hmm. Bible that talk about being reborn, talk about being remade. The old things are passed away. Behold, all things are made new, right? There is an obvious change that happens in the It's all over the Bible. Jesus gave people new names, Right. As a sign. That you are not who you were, right? Yeah. So in that sense, sure, right? If you look at my life now, compared to when I was 20 years old, I am 100% a better person than I was then. A better person how? I have been transformed. I am not the same person. So the point that I'm making is that you don't... <laughs> So I guess, I guess I misspoke so that no one says anything, right? I'm not a better person. I'm a different person. Yes. I'm a transformer. <laughs> Optimus Chris. Yes. I have been transformed, right? I am not the same as I used to be. Why? Because of the work of God. Because you... Submit. Oh, there's that word again. Yes. Everything is about what we will submit to in order to give it authority. Remember what we talked about last week? Same thing, only different. Same thing in the same place. It's really not that different. Remember, when you talk about being better, it's tricky because you immediately start to measure. 
you start to define. And if my corrupt heart and weak mind wants to be the determiner of what better is for me, I'm already lost. Yeah, you, you already missed it. I'm the guy that screwed it up. Why do I think I'm the guy to fix it? Ooh. 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 Because you went to college and you're smart. I've, I realize that there's nothing that, and there is absolutely nothing that I learned in Bible college that is valuable today in the sense of bringing value to God other than the glory that I might give him because there are a few little things that I remember that I can talk to other people about. That God might use to bring revelation and love and glory to himself through, through you for other people. Which is the reason that I want to be in a relationship with God where he can use me. In other words, what some people would say, why I want to be a better Christian. Right? People think that <clears throat> I have these problems. I have all these problems, right? I'm, yeah. uh, I'm what the world would consider a bad person, right? I drink, I smoke, I cheat on my wife, I go do all these things, right? And so I need to be a better person. So I'll go to the church house and I'll go see the preacher about Jesus. And I'll get dunked in the water on, on Sunday. Yep. And then, and then, and then I'll, 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 I'll be a better person because now I go to church. I still do all the things I was doing, but now I'm, I'm going to church because the preacher said Jesus' blood covers that, right? Well, yeah. What what did Paul say about grace? Go for it. Sin, sin all the more that grace may abound. Nope. The more you sin, there's more grace. <laughs> so sin must be a good thing. He's being sarcastic, extremely sarcastic in that in Romans eight there where he talks about it. Um, we know that we are broken. All Satan wants to do is to get us to look at our brokenness and get us to look away from the source of making a change in our life so that we focus on ourselves instead of God. That's all he really wants. There's a, I, this is probably a good point to talk about. Um, there, there are a lot of resources that we've looked at. And one of the things that I found, and I have not read everything this guy has ever written, his name is David Kim. Yep. He's a pastor in Northern California somewhere, at least was as last I knew. Um, and he has a, a website called pursuitbible.org or .com. I'm not sure which. Yeah, but I, Google I, Pursuit Bible, P-R, or P-U-R-S-U-I-T, Pursuit is in Running After Bible. Yeah, I, I hadn't read anything else on the Pursuit Bible thing other than when you sent me the link for this particular thing. Mm-hmm. Particular article. He he has an article in here that is called Ten Ways to Become a Better Person According to the Bible. <laughs> now I saw that and I went, Oh golly, Miss Agnes, let's go sit down and giggle at that. Same. Because I am that sort of self-righteous ninny at times. <laughs> and then I read it and went, Oh, you're probably right. Oh, you're probably right. So Mr. Kim, I I find this particular article. Um, which again is titled 10 Ways to Become a Better Person According to the Bible. According to the Bible. Now, before you start reading, I, I want to I say this because I got one last note that I wrote down before you get into this article because I'd say the rest of this podcast is going to be us talking about breaking down this article because it's really good stuff. Um, but my last note before you get into that was, so here, I'll say this. Jesus already did it, so stop trying, right? Mm-hmm. So this is about the Bible. The Bible isn't about you. The Bible is consistently trying to get your eyes off of you and onto a God who is able. Mm-hmm. You are not able. And never will be. No <laughs> matter what you do. You never mean I can't become be. a super Christian? No, you don't get a cape and you don't get a, a big J on your chest. Mm. That J would be for Jesus. Mm. Or in my case, it would be for jerk. Mm. So Joan Jet, <laughs> Joan Jet, no, 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 I mean, never mind. Okay, all of my notes are done. So let's let's go with you in that article. Okay, well let's let's talk about this article. He has has ten very positive things, and some of these I think we've already talked about. Yeah. Number one is stop trying to change in your own strength. Yep. Chris just mentioned that. Uh, the idea here is that religion is um, it, it is for 
religion creates a sense in you that you want to try your best to to be something that you can never be without God. Number two, stop asking God to change you. (laughs) Think about that for a second. Oh, Lord, will you just take this away from me? And God's going, no. What, what, wasn't there, uh, oh, Paul. Paul had a thorn in the flesh. Yeah. And we don't know what it was, so quit trying to figure it out. And 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 God, and he just begged God to take it from him. And yeah. that mean old God just would not take it away from him. Now I wonder why. I think Paul maybe mentions it a little bit. Okay. He talks about it kept him humble. Yeah. Um, it, it kept him grounded. It kept him rooted. kept him aware of his need for God. There's, there's another side to this. Are you sure that whatever you keep asking God to change in your life isn't the thing that he has put there to grow you into what he wants you to become? And you are over there trying to see it as a curse and a pain in the butt. Yep. Oh, God, take your future blessing away from me, please. I do not like the growth process. <laughs> oh, there's an interesting paragraph in this article because you just have your notes that you took out of the article. Yeah, I do. I'm looking at the actual article. So he's the plagiarist, not me. <laughs> <laughs> well, we cited the author, so it's okay. Uh, so there's a paragraph here that I think is great. Uh, Faith for a breakthrough in your life is not a shortcut. So this thing that you want God to take away and you're believing in faith that he's going to take it from you, faith is trusting that what Jesus did on the cross is your breakthrough. Oh. It's already done. Stop it. So when Jesus said it is finished? It's finished. Remember I said that the work on the cross makes your good and your bad irrelevant. Yes. It's done. It's already paid for. Just go after God. Seek ye first the kingdom of heaven and don't worry about the rest of it. So don't worry about having to atone for your sins all the time with sacrifices like the old law. That's done away with. There still needs to be repentance because without repentance, there is not forgiveness. But the point of it is grace allows you to run like crazy under the authority and umbrella of God. And Chris is biting his tongue, so before he bleeds out, let's see or hear what he's got to say. Okay. Do you not think that if there was a problem in you that God didn't want there, that he would not fix it? Well, see, some of those I hide from him, so he doesn't know they're there. Well, but see... When you go through that whole thing, we talked about the transformation process, right? By the way, that never stops until you die. So all your stuff may not ever get rid of. You may not ever get rid of it, right? You will when you die and go to heaven, right? Right. But do you not think that if there was a problem that you had, whether you have ADD or bipolar or you smoke or you like to look at women's booties, right? Yes. Do you not think that God will provide the remedy or remove it from you if is he not the one who has the answer not you absolutely so why are you trying you do not have the power until you submit that thing to God and then his power is complete over it lay it down if you're still holding on to it then you haven't submitted it lay it down at the cross, mm-hmm. walk away. Mm-hmm. It's not up to you. Mm-hmm. You, all, go ahead. So, you also no, go ahead. have to trust in God's solution. Number three, yes. Which is number three. Once God says, I can take care of that for you, you have to trust that God has it. Yeah. The, the sermon that was being preached when I got saved at like 14... I still remember it to this day, and it was this. Really? Yeah. I remember because, uh, so a good friend of mine, Miguel Frazier, he now pastors a church, uh, what is it, Mount Victory? Maybe. I don't know. Yeah, right. So he's he's out, he's up here in Ohio. It's, I think it's Mount Victory. He pastors a little church down there. 
or he is a pastor of some sort in there. Anyway, um, that's where he's at. And But anyway, he um, he was preaching that night. I was 14 years old. It was a youth rally, a lock-in, right? That back when those things were, I don't know if people still do those or not. <laughs> we have lockdowns uh, instead of lock-ins. <laughs> lockdowns, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, he, he I remember vividly because he was a really good il- illustrator. He bought, brought in these boulders that were like the size of like two basketballs put together. And he had like 10 of them laying all over the floor up in the up by the pulpit. And he tied ropes around all of them. And then he tied them all to himself. And he was like, when you say that you gave that to Jesus and that he has the answer for it and you lay it down at the cross and then you go to walk away, but you're still tied to it. You haven't let go of it yet. That's a great analogy. Yeah, a great picture. Out of that's that's the thing that stuck out in my head about that sermon. But that's the, the it was that night when he gave the altar call that I I got saved. Well, how about that? There yeah, you go go for it. Um, God's solution is the one that is for you. I have plans for you, of good, not for evil. Um, God is wanting to bless us, but we're the ones that keep getting in the way of that. So we have to trust on His in His solution. Number. Yeah. four. What Point. is his solution before you get to number four? His solution is for us to live our lives in a manner that brings glory to him. Right. Period. Number four. Oh, Chris wants something else on number and three. To, sorry. And two. <laughs> I'm not trying to cut you off. <laughs> I, I, just, I feel like this is important because it's okay. been so important in my life, right. right? And I'm literally just reading this out of the article. I looked down and saw it and went, oh, that's that's good. Um, the first step in God's solution is to change your very nature from the inside out. That's that transformation. When the Bible talks about, you know, I'm not who I was, I'm, I'm different. You get a new name, blah, blah, blah. Old things passed away. Behold, I am new. When you get baptized, it's a physical representation of the old man dying, the new man coming up. God is literally trying to change you from the inside out, the very nature of who you are. You can't. And all of our solutions, all of our attempts are from the outside in. Yeah. Which leads us to posing, by the way. Pretending. Pretending. Faking it. Faking it. Yeah. And, and you have to submit to that transformation. You're never going to change. Nothing is ever going to change if you don't stop working for it yourself. And believing that, that it's going to happen. And believing that God has it. A lot of people don't believe, well, he can't do that. It's just He's just not going to do it. He's got it in one way or another. He's either going to remove it or he's going to allow it, perhaps to keep you humble. And if he doesn't take whatever the thing is that you think shouldn't be there away, which, by the way, you shouldn't be thinking, you shouldn't be deciding that. But if he never takes it away, it'll be gone when you die. Yeah. You get a new body. And a new mind, I hope, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we, we already talked anyway. <laughs> Number four. Count your old self as dead. Big deal. We, we, we deal with a lot of, we talk to a lot of people and have a lot of people in our church who are, who have recovered. Yep. Who used to be addicts. By the way, every human being is an addict to something. Absolutely. Drugs, booze, relationships, whatever we call addictions in our modern world are simply the symptoms of deeper addictions to self. And every human being has them, now that I've said that. Yep. One thing that you can't do, uh, if if you're going to say, I'm going to recover from something, you cannot constantly focus on what that old thing is. If a heroin addict is constantly talking about, thinking about, and considering heroin, even how bad it is, how it screwed up his life, how it destroyed him. He's defining himself by that drug use. That's not counting the old self as dead. There's no termination of the old self. There's no opportunity to be a new creation if all you do is look back and go, oh, I was really stupid. <laughs> You're living in it. Okay? Um, we, we, this ties in with, with number five here. Yep. which is put off the old. Get away from it. Let it go. Turn your back on it. In fact, board over the door, put drywall over the door, and have somebody who's really good at mud and mud over it so that you can't even see that there was ever a door there. Or I promise you, you will 
be looking back at it. Go ahead. Here's an idea. Okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Let's say, okay. Let's just say heroin, right? Okay. Because we know we we work we we talk with a lot of people who who have been hooked on heroin. Yes. Right? And we've seen God deliver many people out of that. <laughs> Amazing. Yes. Fantastic. Um. And and the biggest biggest way, the biggest step to their deliverance, is. Uh, I walk around saying this thing because. Younger people understand hashtags, right, are a thing. Mm-hmm. And I walk around saying hashtag eyes up, mm-hmm. right? Where are your eyes? What are you focused on? What are your affections placed on? What is your attention focused on? Wow. If you are running after God as hard as you can, mm-hmm. then you're not looking at the giant hole in the wall that you forgot to drywall up. By the way, God has the power to fix that hole just like that if he wants to. However, if you train your affections to be after the Lord and you focus solely on running after him, even if you catch your foot in that hole on the way, do- on the way through, mm-hmm. he'll pick you up and you just keep right, r- running right after him. He knew the hole was there anyway. Right? So, again, this keeps running back to... Submitting to God's process. Absolutely. Not yours. Absolutely. Once you've, and once you've submitted, you have this opportunity, you get past the old, and then you can renew what's going on in your mind. You can actually rewire your neural pathways. Mm-hmm. Um, that's scientific fact. Uh, there's a PBS series called The Brain that talks about it. So for those of you that think, you know. It's called neuroplasticity. Yes. That process. Yeah. If you think that, you know, there is no science in the Bible, no science backs this up, well, this is even PBS that backs this up yep. and, and talks about it. Um, <clears throat> when we say be renewed, Christ didn't come to just make us better. He didn't come to improve us. He doesn't want people who are good, who are gentle, who are kind, who are wise. He wants dead ones. Mm-hmm. Um, we had considered naming or titling this particular episode, God Wants Dead People. Thought about it. Um, still might. Yeah, it still might happen. Who knows? Um, and when I say these things like God doesn't want good people or gentle people, God wants the fruits of the Spirit for others in your world, but he wants you to die to yourself so that those fruits can be can bring forth. A seed falls to the ground unless it dies, it will not bear fruit. Remember that little Bible verse? Well, that's what God wants. We have to die to ourselves. And when we do, almost magically the old self just goes away. Yep. You okay. stop thinking about it. You stop considering it. It's not a daily battle. Take up your cross and follow me. Right? Yes. Why did Jesus take up his cross? (laughs) To die. Yeah. To carry it up to the top of the hill and die. Can you imagine God saying, okay, go die. Go die now. It's time to go die now. Which one of the apostles had a really awesome life and didn't die? No. So Peter got crucified upside down, right? Yeah. Paul got beheaded, right? Yeah. Uh, Simon got, or not Simon, uh, Thomas got stoned. Yeah. Right? All of the apostles, I think. Yeah, they all did. Unless well, John, John died very old. Right. But most of them died a horrible, terrible death at the hands of people who hated them. And by the way, did not have lives that were full of flowers and Skittles and, and, and wonderfulness. They were they were tortured. They were beat. They were reviled. They were chased out. Why do you think... The, part of the reason the Bible spread so far is because people were chasing the people that were talking about it. I mean, you had to go to Turkey to talk about it because if you'd stayed in Jerusalem or the environs, you'd be killed. Yep. When you think about Paul standing before uh, King Agrippa in Festus, and he's standing there... And he's chained up, and they're holding him on trial. 
It's not an official trial. They're just trying to figure out what to do with the man. Yeah. And he's like, um, God changes people. And by the way, he raises people from the dead. By the way, King, you know this. You're well aware. And Festus is like, bro, you're insane. <laughs> right? <laughs> That's what you should expect as a Christian. You should look at the lives of the apostles in the Bible. Look at every person who served God in the Bible. None of them were living their best life now. No, no. And and weren't expecting it. Those that did screwed up. Yep. You, an example of this is last Wednesday night in small group, I was telling, relating a story very quickly about um, a time that I saw someone who was demon-possessed. Mm-hmm. And relating that story, and I could tell by the looks on a couple of people's faces, they didn't buy it. They didn't believe it. They didn't believe that that is a They didn't believe that that person was actually demon-possessed. That what happened was a release of that person's spirit, um, casting out the demon, in essence. I didn't do it. Someone else did it. Um, I was just there to observe it because God needed me to see that he was real and this whole thing was a serious and real matter. (laughs) Oh, by the way, Mike... This whole thing with me is not all in your head. It's not educational. No kidding. <laughs> I remember when that happened. Yeah, I do too. And it was it was in two people because the other person in the room said to me, you know, I just wish God had thrown me a bone. And the next thing, there's a knock on the door yep. and someone walks in and needs help with a demon possession. Yeah. Well, there's your bone, big fella. Yeah. God when, just threw that to you. When you see a carload of children carrying their mother in the door, there's a problem. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, sometime we'll go into that. Yeah, not we're, we're not we, gonna. In fact, we may have the other guy on sometime to talk about that. Um, Mike. Oh yeah, yeah. Okay, now. Okay. As, as we so, move along. Sorry, we. we got, so we After got, you have done all this, the next step is to put on this new self. Mm. Actually, become that person. Um, dying to yourself so that God's righteousness can be expressed in and through us. Yes, I read that so I'd get it right. He then will be that devotional, kind, good gentleness in us that he wants us to be. All that is God working through us, not because we have done something to earn it. Chris inhaled as though there was something he wanted to say, and then he stopped. Moving on to number eight. Bring all your guilt and shame and condemnation to the cross. In other words, cut the ropes on the boulders. Yeah. And just leave it there. I'll say it now. Okay. So, uh, God does not live. I'll kick the table. Sorry, guys, if you heard that big loud noise. Uh, God does not live with fear, doubt, or anxiety. Mm-mm. No. He cares and he upholds justice. And he acts in wisdom, right? Mm-hmm. If you want some scriptural backup for that, how about 1 John 4, 8 and Psalm 11, 3, or Psalm 1 to 13. Also, throw this out there. If you want evidence, if you're that kind of person and you need evidence of whether or not God has changed you, whether or not there a transformation has taken place, remember, you shouldn't be worrying about whether God has changed other people because it's not about you. Right. Hmm. Uh, so if you're looking for evidence, Galatians chapter five talks about the fruits of the spirit. Fruits are things that have to be cultivated. Fruits are things that don't come unless a seed has been planted and then grown. Yes. Uh, so if you're looking for evidence in your own life, go read that, the fruits of the spirit in the Bible. See if you got any of them. If you do, God's working on you and you're changing. Good for you. And for pity's sake, do not apply any of those fruits to any other person. Not your place. It's not your job. Um, I didn't know that Jesus was hiring as a replacement, needing replacements for the Holy Spirit. Just a thought. (laughs) Here's number nine. Be okay with the process. Be okay with what God wants to do. You know, we talked very early on about that thing that you want to change. You're begging God to take away from you. The process may require that you have that thing so that he can grow you and show you his power, his authority, as you submit that and other things to him. Be okay with what your timing does not matter. It does not matter. 
you don't get a vote in this process other than just to go, okay, I submit, I agree, I abide, I, I'm going to stick with it. And understand that that process uh, is much like the Bible uh, uses the picture of gold being refined in a fire, mm-hmm. right? Um, raw gold out of the ground isn't pretty, and it's pretty worthless. Yeah. Um, but it has to go into a fire and be melted down, and all of the crap has mm-hmm. to be taken out of it, and then you have something that's amazing. Same thing has to happen to you. If you're afraid that it's going to hurt, well, don't be afraid it's going to hurt. It's just going to hurt. There are going to be times it's going to be uncomfortable. The, the great um, 20th century philosopher, um, uh, Ted Nugent, <laughs> Uncle Ted said, 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 why would I be afraid of death? It's inevitable. So why fear it? If change requires you to be uncomfortable, don't fear, the, don't fear that uncomfortableness, that pain, because God's working in you is, is going to be better, and the change is inevitable if you submit. Now, if you fight it and you run away from the pain, as people like to do, then God goes, okay, you can have that. Knock yourself out with it. Two things. One... Remember that T-shirt I sent you earlier? I knew it was going to come into play. I had no idea how, but I was like, I need to send this to Wilson. What was it? Comfort is a slow death. Yes. Yeah. Right? Um, the other thing I wanted to say is that Jesus, Paul, Peter, uh, Timothy, anybody else you want to pull from, in the New Testament, who were going around preaching the gospel, right? Right. They all said, pain's coming. This is going to suck. But it's worth it in the end. Because we know that the pain is temporary. You're not living for you anymore. You've been changed. You're not the same person. You are now... (laughs) I guess we all are always, but you are now an eternal being, right? Yes. You're going to live forever. One way or the other. (laughs) You can't die. Yeah. There is a part of you that will continue to exist. So what are you worried about? Yeah. This time on earth is a speck of a speck of dust. Yes. In the grand scheme of eternity. We can't even understand what eternity is. We, our minds can't wrap our head around it, no. right? But you're going to have all eternity to love on God and to be with God. And to be in his presence and to do the things that he created us to do. Absolutely. No, I, I, okay, opinion. Total opinion. Okay. I do not think that heaven is going to be us sitting around on clouds and flowing robes playing harps. I just hope there's hunting in heaven. I, maybe. Hunting and fishing. Uh, who knows? <laughs> Who knows? There better be softball. That's all I can say. Uh, good, good fast pitch. There you go. Uh, but it's, whatever it is, it's more than we can possibly imagine because we do not have the mind of God. And, and furthermore, people are always worried about getting to heaven. Yeah. People are, they think that I'm going to give my life to Jesus. I'm going to be a Christian so I can get to heaven. Yeah. That's a fringe benefit. Yeah. Yeah. It is. Yeah, that's a fringe benefit. You get to have a relationship with the guy who created everything. A close, personal, intimate relationship with him. The Bible the Bible says you get to be the hands and feet of Jesus. You get to be the tool that Jesus reaches into, that God reaches into in the toolbox and grabs you up and says, let's go to work. You're just a tool in a toolbox, but you get to be there and be available for God to use you. Yes. How freaking awesome is that? I get to be the hammer today. Tomorrow I'll be the claw. And people complain about, well, I'm a screwdriver. Why is he using me as a pry bar? Hmm. Yeah. Talk to any man who's ever had tools, first of all. Yeah. Things get used the way that we don't think they're supposed to. No. Here, (laughs) let me rephrase. Okay. 
the tools get used the way that the manufacturer thinks that they weren't supposed to be used. However, God is the manufacturer in this case, and you are the tool, and he's also the one using them. So he gets to decide how it gets used, not you. Sorry, go. No, you're fine. We now, have a, the we last have, step. Five minutes left. Go last step. How does this all become possible? It becomes possible through grace and forgiveness as a result of that grace. What do you mean, forgiveness? Our sins are forgiven. Yep. If you can't receive that forgiveness from God, if you can't wrap your head around it, then find yourself someone who does fall on your knees before God, ask him to show you, you are not so vile that you cannot be forgiven. Nope. That's a trick of the devil That you're, if you're thinking that. Yep. You have to accept and receive God's forgiveness, and then, like everything else we get from God, you pass that on, and everyone else receives forgiveness from you, not because you're the great forgiver, but because you're showing God's glory. That's what God did for you. You forgive others. I think there's a prayer in the New Testament as we forgive those who trespass, trespass against, against us. us. Yeah. So I guess sort of to head towards wrapping this up and mm -hmm. get to a conclusion, you have to submit, first of all. You have to, you have to accept the fact that you suck. Right? You yeah, are absolutely. Not, you are not good. You, your heart is disgusting and wicked and it cannot be fixed. Right. The only thing that can fix you is the blood of Jesus. Mm -hmm. Right? And even then, I look at it like that comforter on that bed right there. Okay? Whatever's underneath that comforter, I can't see it right now. That is a snow white comforter. Mm -hmm. If there was a giant pile of fecal matter in the center of that bed... I, hey, look, it's scientific. I'm old, but it's clean. It's a scientific term, okay? <laughs> All right? I'm yeah. not trying to be offensive, but it's the first dirty thing that I could think of, okay? Yeah. If, if there was some disgusting mess underneath that blanket, I wouldn't be able to see it from here. Right. I'd have to take the blanket off to see it, right? Right. That's how the blood of Jesus works. God looks down and does not see the mess that's on the bed. He sees the snow white blanket, that being Jesus' blood, right? You've been washed, washed by the blood, right? Yep. Snow white, white as snow, right? Mm -hmm. You're clean. Jesus fixed it already. Stop trying to climb back into the washing machine. Now, I said that, and a lot of people went, but I still have all this stuff. I thought God changed me. I thought God made me a new person. I thought... Well, if, if he's changed me into something and, he, and, 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 the, and the old man has died and I've been made new and I'm transformed and I'm not who I was, then why do I still have the stuff, right? The blanket. The blood of Jesus fixes the separation that happens of your sin between you and God. Okay, so now you ain't going to worry about it. As long as you keep that blanket on, you're good. But if you take that blanket off, you're still nasty. Right. You're still gross. And if you crawl under there and keep pooping on the bed... The blanket keeps it covered. It makes it irrelevant. Yeah. Like I said before, it doesn't matter. There you go. It there doesn't... You, go. you don't have to stop and sacrifice every time you screw up. Jesus did it already. Stop trying. And stop focusing on the fact that you screw up. Run after God. Accept his forgiveness. Give that forgiveness to other people. Live like grace exists. Yep. Like it's a real thing. Yep, because it is. All right. All righty. I think we did it. I, uh, it's under an hour, barely. <laughs> if you have questions, if you don't understand, if you don't like what we said, yep. you got the email on the front of this podcast. Send us an email. Send us a Facebook message. Find somebody to love on. Find somebody to bless. Yep. Go, go be the person that God intends for you to be. Yep. yep. Just go bless somebody. Thanks for listening, everybody. Love you, bye.